Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. This podcast is gaining recognition as a resource for small businesses and entrepreneurs, salespeople, uh, marketing people, business leaders, uh, all over the place, from Inc.com to MSNBC's Your Business to uh, Fit Small Business, Proven. Uh, recently, we were named one of the best podcasts on the planet by People First, uh, and we're over the moon. Um, because it, it's really great that we can be recognized for uh, being a great place for all of you to go to get the information that you need to do better things in business. And it's really because of the people who join me to have a conversation. You know, they give of their time and their expertise so that you get the information that you need. Today is no different. Today, my guest is Derek Champagne. Derek is a serial entrepreneur with over 15 years of experience developing effective marketing campaigns. He's the founder and CEO of The Artist Evolution, a full-service agency building memorable brands, marketing tools, and campaigns for startups to household brands. Derek is also the author of the best-selling marketing book, Don't Buy a Duck, and the host of the popular Business Leadership Series podcast that also airs as a weekly business show on ESPN radio regionally. Now Derek aims to educate entrepreneurs, business owners, and marketers on creating effective marketing that drives engagement right to the bottom line through his online marketing course at www.champagnemarketingcourses.com. Thanks so much for joining me today, Derek. 
Diane, thank you for having me as a guest and congratulations on all of your show's success. I'm excited for you and I know that your listeners are in really good hands. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. It's really been exciting and, mm-hmm. uh, and really is because folks like you um, mm-hmm. give such great information that people want to listen. So, and, and marketing is one of my favorite topics um, mm-hmm. to talk to people about because I think it's one of those things that is really challenging, regardless of whether you're a business owner or you're a marketing manager, you know, because it changes all the time and there's like something new under the sun, supposedly. So, so thrilled we're talking about this. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, for me, my love for marketing, being a small business owner, being an entrepreneur is is, you know, I didn't start out as a marketer, but I just realized it was a skill set that I needed to have. And I thought we can make this actually fun instead of an intimidating kind of dirty word in business. <laughs> Let's make it something that's approachable that we all can master and accomplish. Oh my gosh. And I think so many people are breathing a sigh of relief thinking, you know, getting ready to listen to, wow, if this could really actually be fun, I am all in. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I actually though would like to start with you say there are five crisis points in marketing, and I'm wondering if you can uh, elaborate on that. Absolutely. And these are the crisis points that I found. I didn't one day just wake up and go, I think I'm going to develop five crisis points. It actually happened as being an entrepreneur for most of my life. I've had eight companies, failed at a few, done well at a few, and I have reviewed over a thousand brands over the past decade. So I've had a chance on a day-to-day basis to see what's working and what's not. And I'm talking from startups to household brands. The big, big guys usually have this figured out because they're doing things at such a high level. But I started to notice these five crisis points popping up. And when we would address them and fix them, we started to see a real traction with marketing. And so we said, we must be onto something here. So here's the five. And some of them seem really simple. And that's good. If they're simple, they're fixable. Or you're already doing it right. The first one in the first section is what we call the brand's Bermuda Triangle. It seems like this, like brands get lost a lot of times in this part of their marketing. And the first one is really simply, who am I? Do you know who you are? Do you really know what separates you? What's your unique selling or unique value proposition? Why should I choose you over somebody else? What really makes you different? And we encourage, and we've seen this so commonly that brands have not figured this out of really identifying, here's what's going to make me special. They jump out in the marketplace, they're ready to go, and then they, they realize they have competition that's saying the same thing and on the surface doing the same things. So you want to look in, inwardly and say, what makes me unique? What can I do that will separate me and cut through the clutter and help keep me top of mind and tip of tongue? As part of looking at who you are, here's who I'm going to be, here's how I'm going to stand out. We recommend looking at your competition, understanding your entire landscape. And we want you to understand your competition, not so you can copy them, not necessarily for you to sabotage them, but so you see where you fit in the entire landscape. So when we look at competition, we like to dig in and say, here's the top five to 10 competitors. And here's what they're doing with the messaging that they're writing. Here's the kind of testimonials and online reviews they have. Here's, here's the campaigns they're doing. Here's what their blogs, here's how much response they're getting on their blogs. Here's what they're doing well. Here's what they could work on. 
Here's what press releases are putting out. Here's their social media engagement. If you're a brick and mortar in a local community, you might say, here's what they're doing with print or TV or billboards uh, with a direct mail, maybe some of their niche magazines. If you're online, what are they doing about their SEO? Their, are, when you're searching, are they popping up at the top above you with their local SEO? What, how are they involved in the community? Are they, are they doing local community involvement that you should be doing? What kind of promotional offers are they doing out there? What's their communication strategy? How are they approaching the target customer. We want you to understand that again, not to copy, but so you can say, here's how my voice can stand out from that. Knowledge is power whenever you have an understanding of who your competition is. So after you understand who you are and your competition, the next thing, the second crisis point is who are they? Really understanding your target customer. And I know we hear that a lot when we hear about marketing speak, know your target customer, know your avatar. But I, I want to really dig in a little bit. And we see this miss so often. And to really sit down and say, here's who I'm reaching. And here, when you understand your target customer better, you have a better idea about where to reach them. A lot of times we'll do an audit and we'll hear someone say, oh, Facebook ads don't work. Or Derek, should I do a Facebook ad? Well, first of all, what's your business? <laughs> that might help. And who are you trying to reach? Well, I'm trying to reach, yeah. uh, I'm trying to reach a female target. They're 60 plus. They like online shopping. They're really, uh, yeah. Females over 55 are driving Facebook usage on especially mobile Facebook. So there you go. I understand more about your target. Uh, see, when you understand your target customer and what worlds they're in, you know where to reach them. That takes some of the mystique out of marketing. Like, is this the right decision to make? See, as business owners, as decision makers, if you're, the, if you're in your marketing department, or your sales, you get presented with all these shiny objects and opportunities every week, every month. And which ones are you supposed to pick? There's too many options out there. 50 years ago, there were three channels, three marketing channels. Now there's over 70. We should yeah. all be confused if that's the case. Let me talk about understanding your target profile just for another minute. Great. If you're in a relationship with your significant other. How, how does it do for you to forget their birthday? Does that go well? <laughs> no. What if you don't know where they like to eat? What if you don't know what kind of food they like and you take them to the, you take them to the wrong restaurant, right? What if they're a vegetarian and you take them to get the best burger in town? You, you probably know what they like. So the same way, and I'm, I'm obviously being a little dramatic to make a point, but get to know your target customer. Understand, obviously, their gender, their income, their age, their birthdays, their ethnicity, their marital status, their religion, their education, their political affiliations, their geographical locations, their hobbies, their stage of life, their buying patterns. Get to know them and build a relationship with them. When you're clear on who you are and your unique value point, when you really understand who your customer is and what's important to them, those are two of the first two steps that avoid those crisis points. These five crisis points, I'm telling you, we've seen it shave four or five years off of a business when they start doing these correctly. These simple hmm. changes. The third thing is, is understanding the right tools. When I say marketing tools, I'm really talking about anything you use to communicate your business, your business cards, your brochure, your website, your message that you use on LinkedIn, whatever you're doing, your email templates. Many times, and we've seen some bigger brands do this too, not just the little guys. We've seen them understand who they are, understand their target, and then go, well, you know what? We've already got this website. We've already got this campaign, and they don't adjust it. So instead of making their tools match the level of quality and message of their their brand, they dumb down their campaign to match their tools. Don't do that. Hmm. Small adjustments in your tools to make sure that they say the message and show the message and show the right moods and emotions can make a massive impact on the effectiveness of your campaign. 
remember we go in and we say, someone tells us something's not working. We're going to go into audit mode and say, before we just say that doesn't work, let's see why it doesn't work. Yeah. Do you know who you are? Do you know who they are? Really, really know who they are? What are your tools? Let's take a look. What, are, what tools are you using? What are you saying to them? What does it look like? Does that, that's a representation of your brand and make sure it represents your brand properly in your message. And then the fourth thing is having a plan. I have a chapter in my book that says, if your marketing is not going according to plan, it's probably because you don't have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> this has been overused too. Have a plan, have a plan. We hear it all the time, but I'm telling you without a plan, how do you know where you're going? Yeah. How can you possibly number one, lead your team when you don't know where you're going? And number two, your customers don't know where to go. You really, right. you build off of that value, knowing where you're going with a plan, enthusiastically get your brand ambassadors, your super consumers, your team behind you and talk about momentum. You know who you are, you know who they are, you're using the right tools, you have a plan. <clears throat> and the most important thing at the end is execution. Consistent execution. I wanna use a football analogy, I'm a casual sports fan, but this one works best for me. When you think about football and you watch football, you don't usually see the pass that's 90 yards to a touchdown. You don't usually see someone grab the ball at the one yard line and run to the end zone. It usually happens first down at a time. They run a few yards and they make a first down. They do a couple more plays, first, second, third, another first down. It's about making first downs. When you have a good plan and your team is consistent in execution, you keep looking back and you're like, we're farther down. And when your plan is the end zone. And so having a plan and having consistent execution makes all the difference. We see a lot of great strategy, a lot of great creativity. Nobody's short on creativity, right? But the, where we see it fail is implementation and execution. And a lot of our audits will go in and we're like, you, that was not even done consistently. So those are the five crisis points that when addressed, make a big difference in marketing. Those are awesome. I, I can picture all of them. I, like I, I really get it. I think that a lot of people get stuck at the first one, stuck at the, mm. who are we? Right. Because they sort of do the surface, this is who we are, not really looking at really what they're about, what they're passionate about, as you said, what their differentiators are. Mm. So can they do that before they look at the competition or does it help to look at the competition I while they're trying to figure it. out who they are? Do it first. Mm -hmm. Do it first. Okay. Build your own unique identity, okay? And then make adjustments as needed in your messaging. So in other words, what we call our go-to-market strategy. If we have this brilliant idea that says, uh, just do it, and we came up with it on our own, and then we go to market and see that Nike already came out with that, we've got to adjust a little bit. But it doesn't mean that we didn't sit down and go, here's how we're going to be perceived. Let me give you a few questions, if you don't mind, that I like to ask. Great. And right. these, okay. these may feel hokey, but let me tell you, they work. And when you buy into these, let me tell you, if you buy into these, your team will, your customers will. So one of them is say, you know, what, what do I want to be known for? I'm going to look five years down the road. What do I want people saying about me? Uh, they're trusted. They always deliver on time. Uh, they're fun to be around. Think of those things. What do you want people saying about you? What moods or emotions do you want to be described when someone touches or embraces or brushes past your brand? Hmm, what adjectives great. or phrases do you want described about you? Do that exercise. It can be messy. Do it on a piece of paper, type it out. That can, that can be your brand. 
See, a brand is essentially what people know about you, right? You don't, I hear people show me their brand sometimes and they're like, well, nobody, no one knows about us. You don't have a brand then. Your brand is what your target customers know about you. It's what your reputation is in your target community, good or bad. So early on and even later, but in this exercise, you have a chance in an honest, authentic way to help shape perception. I always think that way with our clients and with my own brand. Am I, I want to be authentic. And I want to engage in an authentic and honest way that's trustworthy. But I also have the opportunity to say, here's who we want to be. Here's our vision of how we want to be perceived. Put that out there. And if you're consistent with that, that goes a long way. It can be that simple. And then go in and bring your, your competition and just make sure uh, that you're not bumping up against them in the marketplace and you see where you stand out. Okay. So, so there's something interesting there for me. So this is who we are. This is who we want to be. Um, with, you know, in, in order to really be authentic so that people really connect what we're saying we are with how they then experience us, um, uh, it feels to me like then we have to be who we are. So do we have to start really at that place where we are who we want to be? It's sort of a strange question, but no, I, I understand what you're asking. It's an interesting okay, exercise, but it's okay. And yes, be authentic and be yourself. I'm not suggesting that we would not do that, but keep in mind that as you grow and if you're growing now, you're thinking you and I'm thinking me, but I have a team, Diane, I've got a team to lead and I want my team representing me properly all the time. So to build this idealistic representation of what the experience is going to be, take a minute and think about Starbucks, whether you love it or not. I think of it fondly, even though I don't go there that often, but I, I can tell you the experience I'm going to have when I go in there. I, yeah. I can smell the aromas. I can hear the noises, fondly hear the loud grinding of the machine. I, I don't mind it. It's part of the experience. Yeah. When I go in a smoothie shop, I expect that. Uh, I can see people sitting on the computers. I can see people talking and engaging. I have a general feel in almost every Starbucks I go in. That doesn't mean that an individual employer, the person that first started had that, but you get where I'm going with that. Paint the vision, yeah. paint that picture, be authentic, but say, here's when people interact with us, here's what they want them to experience. And it yeah. doesn't mean that it won't evolve, but you have an opportunity early on to say, here's how we want to engage and, and be honest. I'll tell you that we, our brand is going through a tradition. Our own agency after 10 years is going through a transition. And I just had a meeting with some potential customers clients right before this interview and I showed them a roadmap. I said, here's how we've been, but we've been a me too agency and here's our vision. Here's where we're going and here's what we do really well. And I showed them our roadmap. I showed them where we're going and they, they appreciated that they saw where we're going and yeah. our passion for the vision. And they really bought into it quickly. Okay. That makes, that makes perfect sense to me. I, I, I understand that. And, and I, I think, um, when you are thinking about the experience that you want people to have with you, I think that is really helpful in, in identifying who you are and what differentiates you. I, yeah, I agree. And, he, and here's the thing. There are some other steps, obviously. There's many other steps, you know, down the road. And when you talk about internal marketing and that's, you know, we have a chapter in the book, internal marketing, it's what's on the inside that counts. That's when you've got existing customers, you're focused on retention, cross-pollination, and some other things to retain and keep your customers. And at that point, you're really getting customer feedback. How are we doing? What can we do differently? What are you experiencing? So your brand will evolve, but I'm sharing in these early exercises how you can be intentional, and then you can also help it evolve as you see what your customers want. 
at the at a laser later phase with your internal marketing process. Yeah, yeah, this is great. Okay, um, so when we when we look at all of that and, and understanding our competition, and is there other uh, research that we should be doing outside of who our competition is and who our customer is? Yes. Oh, this one's really exciting for me. I, I get a little bit nerdy on research. Okay. And, and, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not the one who does all the research, but we have people in our agency that do that are so good. But let me tell you, yes, research is so important. We have interns come work with us and they go, I had no, cause they, because marketing sounds so glamorous, right? Yeah. They come in and they get down the semester and they, and they say, we had no idea that much research went into building marketing. And we're like, yes, it does. But here's what's cool. Marketing. So there's an opportunity to understand your, to, to understand your target customer and, and even your competition without having to do primary research. I worked for a company in LA at one point, LA Focus, and we did primary research. We, before the Jaguar ever came to market, the new prototype, before the, the Hummer H2 ever came to market, before the new Mustang models, we were off-roading those things years earlier and, and doing primary data studies and, and had respondents sitting, driving the cars, and we would say, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate the ease of that bump? How would you rate the turn signal? I'm not talking about going that detailed. Thankfully, I'm dating myself how old I am by sharing that, aren't I? <laughs> Most of us, most small businesses don't have the time or the budget to do that. Here's what's yeah. great. We have the internet now and there's primary yeah. research studies being done. We did a study for an apparel company, a hunting apparel company that was on a budget. And we went and found uh, comparable research that the, the uh, Wildlife Federation did that gave us over 100 pages of primary research data that probably would have cost us several hundred thousand dollars to do ourselves. And it was wow, nice. So a couple tricks. Look for government sources, look for scholarly sources, look for studies that are being done on your target. Let's say that you cannot find a direct study or direct competition. We've had this recently with a few, with a few uh, industries we've worked with. Well, it was just a little bit different product. And they said, we don't think we have direct competition. So we said, well, let's profile your target customer. And we did. And we really profiled them. Here's what they look like. Here's what they're doing. We said, great. What are some commonalities about these, about these customers? And we saw some commonalities and we said, you know what, who, who are some big companies that are trying to outreach to this target customer? And then we found those and we said, great, let's go see what primary research they did. And we were able to completely wow. get profiles just by doing deductive reasoning of seeing who else was trying to reach them that were bigger fish. So research can be done very effectively, uh, but make sure you do some. It's out there. Chances are it's out there. There's some really easy ones. You want to know what a city's like? Go to city data. I think it's citydata.com. Just type in city data in Google. It shows you the ethnicities, the, the size, the race, the, uh, the, the, the sexes, the, the poverty, the, the income, the, the education levels. You can find all that, just public information, just on the surface research. And the more detailed that you go, the more that you'll find out about your customer and about what your competition is doing. Wow, that's great. That's great. See, folks, it's not hard. You got you to gotta get creative with it. But, yeah, it's, it's out there. Just you got to find it. That, that is fabulous. Diane, I'll, I'll tell I you again, I want to emphasize, yeah. I, you know, by trade, I'm a, I'm a curious human being. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't, I wasn't born as a marketer and, and I just, I'm a curious human being and I love entrepreneurship and, and music and business. I just, I think they're interesting. So I study them, but you know, I, my knowledge of this is from me being like, same as your listeners and just, and just 
doing this on a high, on, on a, on a high level because we're working with so many clients. That's how I found it. But I'm the small business owner. I, I can relate. Yeah. So for me, yeah. bad decisions are costly. The same as anybody else. I have to cut, I have to cut back on the budget when I make a bad decision because the money's gone. It, I feel yep. it the same way as anybody else. Yep. Yep. Exactly. This is great. Okay. I have to take a quick sponsor break and then I have more questions for Sounds you. Good. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. If you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are... 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall and The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're speaking with Derek Champagne about marketing that works. So Derek, um, is there a point at which a company actually needs a marketing team or a marketing department? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, obviously I'm on the, I err on the side of having marketing early on because I'm jaded to the business, right? So I have to be cautious how I answer this, but I will tell you this, even from the do it yourself beginning approach, I say from day one, identify the core things that you need and who would be on your team. And, and uh, if you don't have a team, then, then it's on you. Uh, but you, but you need a marketing you need a marketing uh, manager from the very beginning. And if you're the sole owner, that's you. There's there's a strategic consultant that I work with who I was a business was a business partner of mine, and we would do these strategy sessions. And we'd write out here's the things that have to be done. So they say these are your marketing things, and he would always say who's the number one on that. So as you grow, as your business grows, and your and your the, the value of those different marketing channels grows, then you have to be able to delegate and say who's the number one on that. And if it starts to become bigger than one person, then that's when you have to start building your marketing team. Got it. You can't let those things yeah. drop. So we build that out. We say, here's the core things that you need on your team, even from the beginning. And I'm happy to share those if you like. Yeah, that'd be great. Great. The number one thing that you need is you need somebody that's going to be a quarterback. So if it's you, that's fine. I'd be the marketing manager. You're the, you're a small business owner. Maybe you're not, but know who the quarterback is, who at the end of the day is calling audibles, as we say, who's the one checking off the list and making sure that the plays are getting done without fail, without fail, without fail. Uh, the next thing that you need is everything needs a website now, right? There's always an online presence. So you've got to have a webmaster of some kind a webmaster, web programmer of some kind that can make edits for you ongoing. That's, that's, a, that's an absolute must now. They can be a freelancer. I'm not suggesting you yeah. go put that person on payroll, but you need okay. a freelancer that you can trust and ask friends, vet through the process. Uh, it, you'll get great recommendations and have someone on your team that is your web programmer when you need them. Ideally, they also have some skill sets with SEO and, and, and search engine optimization search engine marketing. And if they don't, then you need to find a reliable person that can help you with that as well. Yeah. That's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. It definitely is. It, it, and it keeps evolving. So, yeah. you know, I'll tell you as an agency, we, we, uh, we see it firsthand. We work with a lot of SEO partners. At one point in time, we did more of that. And it's changing so much that really, 
I like to see people that are that are staying at the forefront of the changes and are not you can quickly become a dinosaur in the SEO business <laughs> very quickly. And so you have yeah. to be aware of what results are you going to get. So um, the next thing you want to have is you want to have a graphic designer of some kind. Okay. Some kind. So, and the reason I want you to pick one, they can be a freelancer. That's fine. And it might be, it might be a marketing manager you have if you're a growing company, but they need to know your brand. That way they're always consistent. If you have different designers doing different things all the time, you're basically doing triple work of trying to get your brand to have recognition. Have somebody that is consistently putting out materials that match your, what we call your brand identity, basically. Okay, that makes sense. And then you need to have a social media slash content manager. Who's writing your copy and your content? Maybe they can be your social person, but you need to have somebody that's helping manage your blog, manage your, your, your various social media platforms. They can, again, be a freelancer. Okay. Wait, I want to ask you a question about that. So, so they can be a freelancer. Um, but I would think then it has to be someone who at least has an understanding of your industry and your brand and differentiation within the industry in order that's, to be able to write with your voice. That's critical. Absolutely. There's more and more resources. And here I am sharing you with the resources that are exactly what we don't do at our agency. But I'm going to share them anyway, because they're, they're kind of do it yourself tips. But there's so many websites like, like Elance and Fiverr, there's several out there, you have to sift through to get the right quality. But there are a lot of resources out there, a lot of them worldwide. So yes, go to your industry. And if you're a growing company, I suggest you bring these things in house as quickly as you can, especially your content and your social media. Uh, but you, your graphic design and your web can be outside. And then if you're a brick and mortar type company that you want somebody, and it might be that marketing manager who's watching with your media placement, uh, whether it be radio, television, some of your print media, some of your mail campaigns, uh, your social media manager can probably manage your email campaigns if they're doing that as well. They'll, that'll be part of their content strategy. So those are the people you need though on your team. Uh, even if you're a small growing company, make sure you find those resources. And again, as you grow and you see that, that, uh, who's the number one on it. If you can bring it in house for keeping the quality of the brand for your content writing, your social media, I always recommend doing that. As an agency, we try to push away from that because it just, it gets written so much better when the voice is with inside the organization. I just, we, yeah. we love it from inside the organization. Content's just, yeah. it's beautiful that way. And it's so authentic that way. So if you can right. do it, but don't let it stop you from being active uh, because you want to be active and you want to be consistent. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great point. Exactly. Okay, and then how does someone know which marketing tools are the most effective for them? Well, here's the pairing that we do. It really comes back to looking at your customer. You have to, okay. it's different with every industry, it really is, but that's why I go back to that as one of the crisis points, is what, just picture where does your, where does your target customer live? And I like to, I like to do a visual analogy when we're doing a video where uh, take your left hand and say, here's my product and my service. Okay. And take your right hand over on the other side and you say, here's, here's my target customer. What are all the bridges that I need to, what are some bridges that would, would take me from my product and my service over to them to where we can coexist together? Um, is it Facebook? Do I need to be doing more community events with them? How do, how do I get in the world? How do we, what are those bridges? If you understand your target customer more, that's why I mentioned earlier under really getting where they live and what they're doing, then you better see where to show up. So if you see that your target customer is in restaurants or, or, or is in, 
uh, is frequently in restaurants and is spending an hour at a fine dining restaurant and they're looking and you have a certain type of product or service, you might be on the, on the, uh, on the video channel in that restaurant. Some of the restaurants that show different videos, but otherwise I might say it doesn't make sense for someone else. Right. So, so there's, when you really understand where your current customer is going to be, we have some customers where we're doing, we're doing uh, things at the gas pump, uh, like for a, a DUI attorney. Because we're hitting them when they're driving, we're seeing what's relevant, and it pops up on there. So, right? So, so there you go. We know that they're driving. We know it's an, or, or they have someone that's wishing they weren't driving, right? And yeah. that pop up and goes, hey, you better write that number down. So, you see, you're in their world. You're more immediate. So, the goal is to be top of mind and tip of tongue. That's, that's one of the things. So there's different types of sales, Diane, though, as you know, and, and, and one of them is the immediate sale of, I want them to see it and I want them to make a buy right now, right? But yeah. not all products and services happen that way. A lot of times right. we have to show up several times in their world. And a lot of times we have to do like what you're doing now is building relationships, having valuable content and really building trust. And then it's just a natural organic progression that they're going to come into your funnel and they start doing business with you. And so yeah. there's different types of sales. And, and we, I like to look at campaigns in three categories. One category for me, in every campaign we build, we have this, no matter what kind of business or product it is. One is this left-hand side is all about we're going to drive customers. It's a new customer acquisition campaign. Everything we do here has a weight to it. It's this many click-throughs to this landing page with this conversion goal, right? Yeah. Or we're doing a radio ad here and here's the kind of response we hope. Here's how many calls we're hoping to get from it. It's all about acquisition. The middle column is our internal marketing. It's all about focus on taking care of our existing customers, taking care of them so that they'll give referrals, cross-pollination to make sure they know about the other services we offer, building partnerships, uh, having in-store signage, having special promotions for them, having appreciation days, recognizing Valentine's Day and Thanksgiving and all these other things with them. Um, and so in external for driving customer acquisition, internal for building and retaining relationships. And then the, the final right side column is, uh, is about blue skies. It's our PR. It's our community involvement. It's what are we doing to stay top of mind, the tip of tongue. And it's, it's that third column that, that bridges between those other two. And we put a big emphasis on that one as well. Uh, we find a lot of, of clients, a lot of businesses forget about that ongoing community involvement and PR column, but it's a really powerful column and important to always be building. That's where content lives a lot of times if it's relevant and valuable. That's really great. That, uh, you know, th this is part of the reason why I love doing this because when I'm talking to people, there's always something at least one thing that hits me and I go, oh gosh, that just is so clear to me. Hmm. And I think, and, and it's interesting because I think so many people think they have to have one thing going and it's got to be one message and it's got to be the right one for everybody. And, and part of what I just heard you say is you really have to have these buckets and the, the buckets depend on who it is you're talking to and what it is you want to, what you want the result to be. And then you create your campaign around that. Absolutely. And see, and this allows us to put different weights around it too, Diane, because, you know, sometimes, sometimes we'll have a client say, well, we're going to do this press release. How much business is that going to get us? You are looking at this wrong. That is not yeah. the way to look at your brand building and your marketing. And the blue sky side is a long play. But if you're in, yeah. if your business is a long play, and the, most of the ones I work with are, and there's nothing wrong with the quick turn, you know, technology right. companies built quick. Uh, we get all that. The venture, venture funding, turn around, sell it. Awesome. 
they'll still have their own strategies to them. But if you're in a business that is a long play business, you, you've got to put also the investment in the other side of it and don't look at it as what conversion did I get? There is a measurement to it and you will find that balance, but there's an investment in each of those buckets. And when you understand when I talked about the five crisis points of marketing earlier and you're being consistent and you have those buckets and you're looking at them clearly that way and you understand what investment, what return you get from each of those different ones, that's, that's a really healthy holistic way to manage your marketing and it gets it gets institutional sustainable results when you manage it yeah yeah i can see that Hmm. okay so along the same lines talk to me about emotional versus strategic marketing wow yes Um, and i've been there i think many of us have (laughs) has anybody made an emotional decision before (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i have and i will tell you emotion is great it's great. Passion is great. Never lose it. Never lose it. You want to have it about your service and your product and your customers, but it should, it doesn't really have a place in your marketing strategy. Mm. It's actually really dangerous in your marketing strategy. I have seen great business women and men make really bad decisions from emotion, knee jerk reactions. See, if, you th- if, you've, if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, picture that triangle, yeah. there's that triangle. And the bottom of the pyramid, it served us really well during caveman and cavewoman days because we needed food and shelter and we we're just trying to breathe and, and be, have a safe place to sleep and make fire. But that doesn't serve us well anymore and doesn't serve us when we're making marketing decisions, strategic decisions. The top of the pyramid is self-actualization. At the top of the pyramid, when you're making decisions from there, that's where you hold the vision. That's where you are able to uh, really rally your tribe. That's where you're able to really give your best work. It's morality, creativity, spontaneity, acceptance, experience, purpose, meaning, inner potential. That's when you act strategically with your marketing instead of emotional, you're able to act from the top of the pyramid. And you, when, you see a short, when you see a short-term issue, you look at it differently. See, it takes the panic out of marketing. The goal is to take the scary part out of marketing. And when you're strategic, you don't have to be scared. The emotion's out. I have seen some really smart business people be strategic and see a short-term loss or short-term adjustment, and they were okay with it. Can I share an acronym with you that we coined around this? I have an acronym that I wrote for the book, and it's called PETMAG. P-E-T-M-A-G. PETMAG. And And when this is followed... When you have a plan in place, when you've done those, address those five crisis points of marketing, you can be strategic. And PetMag is plan, execute, track, measure, adjust, grow. It's a circle that we have. It's a PetMag circle and it's a continual circle. And, and whenever you're in the planning, whenever you've planned and you've executed, you're tracking. There's not emotion. Hey, I'll tell you right now, everybody, you know this, or if you don't, I'm telling you, there's going to be adjustments in your marketing. There's adjustments in so many things. That's part of the process. You reiterate, you pivot, you make adjustments. And now they're, remember, you really have an idea who you are and who they are and you're using the right tools. You've got a plan. So things are going pretty close, but you have some dialing to do sometimes. And that's okay. And when you go in strategically with it and you plan, execute, track, now it's time to measure. Adjustments, great. That's step five. Adjust. Now let's grow. Got to adjust again? That's fine. Be strategic. It doesn't mean that you should waste your resources. But what we're saying is here is you can be methodical in what you're doing here. And this takes, this makes it more rational approach to marketing instead of knee jerk and emotional. 
And that's really important to have that mindset in a lot of things in business. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I often say the only emotion allowed in business is passion because the rest of them get in the way of you making really good fact-based decisions mm, about beautiful. everything in your business or anything in your business. Mm, very yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if when people make, so I'm curious what you think about this. I think when people make emotional decisions about marketing, they, they don't stick to it because it doesn't work immediately. Right. And, and right. And, and they're sort of in that panic mode sort of thing. So they're just throwing something at the wall and it doesn't work. And then they're yes. moving over to something else and they're listening to everybody who says, Oh no, you should be doing this. You get shiny object syndrome. Yeah, it's impossible to log into Facebook or LinkedIn now or whatever your social media platform is without seeing another one hit wonder of respectfully and some of them are, are great of saying yeah. here is the new secret sales funnel and if you do this everything will be solved. And I mean, right. we've, seen, we've seen businesses one after another and rolling it. Oh, I'm in this program now. Now I'm in this program. Now I'm trying this. I'm like, <laughs> how's that working for you? you? I can't even follow what you're doing. Meanwhile, we're staying the course over here and we are we are moving mountains. Right. And right. it doesn't mean we're ignoring the new technology. We are just putting it in the appropriate place without panic. Exactly. Right. That's right. Do right. you mind if I and share? And they spend another? an awful lot of money. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Do you mind if I share an example of how a few adjustments we saw made were really obvious but made a big difference? Oh, I think that'd be awesome. We we had a, a client that came to us, and, and I'll I'll share two quick examples. One when a client came to us, and, and we were just doing a consult with them, and they said our name's Amgene. We're like, oh, that's really cool. It was like these puzzle piece logos. It took us over an hour to figure out what they did. And uh -huh. here we are consultants who would like their money. If we yeah. can't figure out what they do clearly. Yeah. And they came to us and said, our radio, they were spending a bunch of money on radio. They're going, our radio's not working. Uh, yeah, I, I can imagine. So let's look at the crisis <laughs> points in marketing. And so we finally figured out what they do is they basically debricked homes. Picture these big mansions with all these really interesting curvatures of the, of the roof, right? All these jagged edges of beautiful homes. Well, when they're built that way, a lot of times they have leaks in them. And so they would yep. debrick these entire homes and put this Tyvek like weatherproofing coat. They basically put a weatherproof coat on a mansion and then brick it back up nicer than it was before. Uh, well, I said, wow. after an hour, after an hour of seeing these pictures that look like a war zone uh, that they had on the front page of their website, by the way, <laughs> instead of showing uh, the finished product. And I said, you guys are weatherproofing experts. They're like, yeah. So guess what we changed their name to? What? Weatherproofing experts. Yeah. <laughs> suddenly, suddenly radio was a good idea, right? Before it didn't oh, work. And so imagine the SEO value from that. Imagine how much clear roofing is in proofing, weather proofing experts. I mean, it just, it all uh, made sense. And they were really stuck on keeping those, uh, those puzzle pieces. So what we did is we, we showed a picture of a house with an umbrella, like, a, like you've seen in insurance, and the umbrella had the puzzle pieces in it. So it was a compromise and it gave them such clarity. And so that's right. an example of making some little things, use a little, use some common sense. And this is a great client. We love them. They know they're, they're in the book. I showed yeah. them. Uh, it was just some simple things, smart business people. They had a growing six figure, going to seven figure business and had a simple change that was keeping them from having significant growth. Yeah, that's a great example when the company knows what they do, but they're not maximizing marketing strategies to make sure that other people quickly know what they do. You want to make it easy for your customer. Do, do I have time to share one more example? Yes. 
Yes, please do. And we didn't talk too much in my bio, but there was a, a number of years where I was uh, a, a, a musician in Hollywood. I had an entertainment company out there. <clears throat> I was in the, I was the bass player in Johnny Depp's club, the Viper Room, for several years. On, I was a Sunday night oh, musician, cool. and and so my job was to bring musicians out. Picture a saturated market. Hollywood is there's bands playing every night. They're paying to play. So these musicians come. They think they're going to get paid. They're great world class musicians, and they're they're basically buying up the tickets and trying to find people to 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 buy them on the street. So they become <laughs> peddlers basically instead of musicians. <clears throat> we found this out quickly, and we're playing four nights a week. So imagine all the tickets. And so bands would have 15, 20 people coming out and, and we started to work. We, we thought, how do we get people in here? Who wants to be here? And, and this, this saturated market that has a long-term problem, it's, it's, it's a pay-to-play market. And so we, we thought, well, there's hostels. Think of these hostels where there's people are coming from all over the country. So we went to the hostels and we said, hey, can we get tickets to you guys? And they're like, great, put tickets here. We did that, crickets, nothing. So we went and had a meeting with them. We had six hostels we're contracted with. And we said, what's the problem? They said, they don't want to pay $80 round trip in, in LA to take a cab. And, and so the oh. problem is transportation. So we said, well, okay. Well, so if we pick them up, can we, can we take them to the shows? And they're like, I, I hadn't thought of that. So we started having girlfriends, friends of the band show up at hostels and start bussing them in. Fast forward a few months later, when we had a band, when we had one of our bands on the marquee of the Viper Room and one of these big clubs, we had people lined up all the way down Sunset Boulevard. It looked like a huge event when we put on a production because we were renting multiple 15-passenger vans, driving to hostels and busing internationals in. So we had an international crowd coming out to every single one of our shows. And, and the other the competitors were going, what the heck are they doing? Wow. So the lesson here is don't make things too complicated for your customers. Don't make them come to you. Don't make them meet you halfway. Yeah. Think logically yeah. like my very literal example just now and say, is there any way that I can go to my customer and pick them yeah. up? How do I remove any barrier for an enthusiastic customer to engage with and be a part of my brand? Well, and the other part of that is, is what you said before about um, n- number two in the crisis points, which is know your target and really know them because yeah. you could have stopped at hey, people who, you know, come and stay in hostels would love to be here and, and never take it any further. But you went in and said, okay, wait, let's talk about this. And you learned more about them and what they needed. And then you made sure that you were accommodating that. And that's the breakdown of identifying the bridges and the tools. You've, you've got it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And yeah. this, this is an oversimplification of the idea of it, but it's this philosophy yeah. and mindset that I am on a mission to share with the world to simplify and connect the dots on marketing. Yeah, boy, I'm with you. This is, this is so great. Mm-hmm. So first of all, let me thank you for joining me and having this conversation. I've learned things, um, which so makes me know that my listeners are learning things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to be able to continue that with the listeners, will you tell them, how they can get a hold of you, how they can get the book, find out about your course, anything you want them to know. Thank you, Diane. I appreciate that. And again, thank you for having me a guest and thank you to your listeners. I'm, I, I'm a fan of your show. I, I love the content and love your mission and what you're doing. Uh, a couple of ways. One is I love to connect on LinkedIn. So if you want to look up Derek Champagne, I'm very active on LinkedIn and, and it's a great platform to connect. Uh, my book is, at, is on Amazon, but you can also go to don'tbuyaduck.com. That's the name of my book. It's endorsed by Seth Godin. It's a, it's a best-selling book. Um, and I have a video trailer about the book on don'tbuyaduck.com. 
I've also got this course, champagnemarketingcourses.com, and my wife and I co-branded this together. And we made it as a do-it-yourself course. She's an amazing branding expert. We came together and we said, what, what is missing what is missing from the education about marketing that we could make is like a turnkey approach for do-it-yourselfers to go in there and take this online course. So we have 40 videos, 25 worksheets, and a 40-page marketing template. For a decade in business, we tried to find a, a shortcut to making our marketing plans, and we never found a good one that we really believed in. So we made our own, and we share that for less than $300. We've got the whole course. And then I've got a free... I've got a free uh, video series I'd like to share, and that's at champagnemarketingcourses.com forward slash AYBG, as in Accelerate Your Business Growth. That's AYBG, and we have a five-part video series that gets delivered to your inbox. No spam, no agenda. It's from me and my wife, and, and we share five tips for instantly increasing your conversions with your target customers things that we have found to work that have, for one is a LinkedIn strategy that, that brought in 60% of our business last year, some video email strategies, and we send that to you in a five-day series. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you for doing that. You bet. I can't wait to watch that. Wow, well, once again, I, I thank you um, so much, and I always like to thank the listeners uh, and our sponsor, Get a free trial and a free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Don't you know that you're a grown up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, right.